This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Psalm 139. It is, well, a relatively long psalm for what we've been through lately. We hadn't been, we hadn't been uh, touching on very long psalms, but 139 is somewhat long. It's a psalm of David, and it's about, it, it, when you hear it, you'll know that you've heard many of the verses in it before. So it's not something that's uh, going to be uh, uncommon to you. It's not going to be something that you've not heard before and seen. It is a psalm uh, of, uh, well, of knowledge about God and God's intimacy with us. And what I think is neat about it is King David is writing this psalm, and he doesn't have any of the understanding of the New Testament that we do. Although I do think he has some understanding that has been revealed by the Holy Spirit to him, but but he doesn't understand all the things that uh, take place down the road that have to do with Jesus and the Messiah and all those things. What I think about this psalm is it's a neat psalm because it is uh, it is an understanding of the intimacy of God written from a perspective that is limited, and yet God is already working his plan and revealing himself thousands of years before today to this to to a man, and he, he sees me. He says, O Lord, you have searched me, and you've known me. Notice, there he starts out the psalm. He starts out the psalm saying, God has intimate knowledge of us. And when you when you start that way, it's powerful. He says, you've searched me and have known me. Uh, and notice that's past tense. It's not just he knows me now. God has been actively at work in a plan and actively at work getting to know us far before we know him. I say this all the time. We love God because he first loved us. It's important to, to see that. It's important to see that God loves us and his love is, is an intimate love and his love is an initiating love. It's a love that it started the relationship. We don't start the relationship. He starts a relationship. He says, my sitting down and my rising up. What he's saying is my comings and goings. You know what I'm doing. He says, you my, you understand my thoughts far off, meaning he says, you don't even have to get close to me. You can just watch me and know what I'm doing, know who I am, know what's going on. He says, uh, you understand me from afar off. He says, you've known me from the past, my comings and goings. You understand me having just been able to just to watch me and, and know who I am. He says, you comprehend my paths, my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. 
I, I find that one of the, one of the uh, one of the things that to make new love when you're first uh, falling in love with someone that is the the thing that is the most exciting about love that you lock in on somebody and you begin to notice not only their appearance not only their physical makeup but you begin to notice their the things that they do the things that they say the way they say things the way they feel about things you begin to watch them and learn their ways because you you want to have that relationship with them. And the only way to really have an, a, a good, a strong, intimate relationship is for you to know and to, to see somebody and to spend time getting to know who they are. And that that initially is always a lot of times from afar. It's done from a distance. And then the conversations are built and the sharing is begins and then for boom, you're all of a sudden, you're all of a sudden having those, that close personal relationship. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. Notice he knows my thoughts so well that he knows what I'm going to say before I ever say it. But that's, that is neat. I can't get over it more. I can't say it any more than what I'm saying. It is neat to see David from generations past before Jesus Christ, identifying that God has intimate understanding and knowledge of us. He says, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, Lord, you know it all together. He says, you have hedged me behind and before, meaning you've placed me in a place where I am protected. I'm protected on the front and the rear. He says, and and laid your hand upon me. That is such the uh, the idea of acceptance. And by the way, for young men, I don't know if you know this or not, but when you've got a a, a, a young boy, a young man, the way uh, an adult male accepts them, or the way a young man receives acceptance, is if you ever noticed a man placing his hand on top of the head of that boy that is the picture of accepting you're one of you're one of us you're a part of the population you're acceptable as us as one of us that is that reaching down and laying it on our head notice god is protecting us from the front and the rear he is before us and behind us and not only that he he laying our his hand on our head and he's saying uh, I, I receive you. I accept you. A lot of times we understand the idea that God loves us because his character and nature is love. It's, it's an easy thing to, to, it's an easy jump to get there. God loves me. Uh, how do I know he loves me? His character and nature is love. That's who he is. It's hard not to be who you are. If, if you are a certain way, that's how it manifests itself. So God's love. What's hard to really figure out, and, and I think that it comes through in this psalm in, uh, well, in spades, it just comes through uh, uh, uniquely and powerfully, is that not only does God love us, but he likes us. He really does like you. He likes who you are. He There's parts of you that attract yourself to God. And now, is it your sinfulness? No, no. But it's the aspect of him that he made you for. He made you for his a relationship with him. He 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 made you, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. He made you for intimacy with him. He made you for that, and and he doesn't just love you. He actually likes you. He wants to be around you. You are attractive to him. You he he cares about who you are. He says such knowledge is too wonderful to me. That's what verse six says. If I it is high, I cannot attain it. 
What he's saying is you love me and you care about me and you like me. And that understanding is so above me, I can't even understand it. And David knew his sin. David was intimate with, with his sin. David was intimate with his imperfections. He knew how he had turned from uh, right and done wrong. He was like any man who lived with shame, the struggle with, with shame and doubt and fear. David had all those things. And so he, he goes, the, the understanding of how God loves me so much that he knows my coming and going. He knows me intimately. He's before and behind me. He knows the thoughts of, of my heart before I ever speak them. He says, such understanding of that is so, he says, it's, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I, I don't even know how we've gotten to that. How do we get to that? How, how, how are you that way? It's, it's, it's so above me, I, I don't even get it. And I already started out the psalm saying, I don't know how David knew this anyway. The Holy Spirit had to reveal it to him. God had to show it to him because the truth is that how would he know How would he know the intimacy and the closeness of God? How could he understand that? How could he understand that without Jesus? Jesus is the way we have a pathway to know that God is a desiring of having a personal relationship with us so much that he would become a man and become one of us. How did David know? How did he know? And and he says even here, I don't even know how I know this. I I don't even know how I attained to it. I I can't imagine how I, I figured this out. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Now notice, even it, it even gets even deeper. The Holy Spirit is the one that God sent to be with you every day. Jesus said, even Jesus who came to be with us, even Jesus said, it's necessary that I go so that the paraclete or the counselor or the Holy Spirit should come. And you do realize how wonderful it is that God sent Jesus. You do understand that. That goes without saying. I know we're in Bible study on Tuesday morning, and it's January the 4th, and we're all sitting here talking about this, or it might be January the 5th. I don't know. The corona has got my brain in a fog. But anyway, whatever day it is, we know that God's intimate with Jesus. We get that. But do you realize how close God is with his Holy Spirit? When Jesus said, you know, the kingdom of God's not, you don't see it. It's in you. The way the kingdom of God is literally in you is through the Holy Spirit. God, Jesus said, it is important. It is important that we, that we, that we, it's important that we understand that, that the kingdom of God lives in, it lives in us through the Holy Spirit. And, and it, the Holy Spirit literally gives us a new human spirit. And so we have not only uh, a personal relationship with God, but we are spiritually connected to the eternal through the Holy Spirit. He said, where can, David understood that. How did David know that? He says, where can I go from your spirit? He says, or, or where can I flee from your presence? He's saying the presence of God, once, this is such a wonderful thought. Once the Holy Spirit indwells you, you can't get away. You can't be lost. I want you to think about that. You cannot be lost. You've got an eternal, you can't remove it, spiritual tracker in you. That's weird. Okay. But it's true. The Holy Spirit is there with you all the time. He says, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. He says, if I make a bed in Hades, uh, if you're reading it, it, it reads some translations, read hell. It's not that idea of the New Testament hell. It's the idea of Hades or the bosom of Abraham. He said, behold, you're there. He says, 
If I ascend to the heights, to the heavens, you're there. And if I go to the place of the dead, you're there. He says, if I <clears throat> take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, if I go to the places where nobody is, he understood. I go to places where there is no one. He says, you're there. Even there, your hand shall lead me. He says, and your right hand shall hold me. He says, if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall uh, about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide me from you. Notice, he says, there's no place of darkness that I could ever go that could keep me away from you and hide me from you. That's that's powerful. He says, he says, I, I can't, I'm, there's no way to be away from you. There's no way to be away from you. You are always there. No matter where I feel like I am in the middle of darkness, you're there, God. And for those who, who are in the depths of darkness, those who are in despair, those who are controlled by addiction, those who are controlled by the sin of their lives, and they feel like they're in the most terrible place of darkness that there possibly can be. First of all, that they can't be separated from the love of God. If God's after them, there's nowhere they can hide. Second of all, you've got the ability to give people that hope because God is not, he does not lose people. He knows who they are. He knows where they are. He does not lose them. He's not one to forget who they are. And that kind of hope, that kind of hope is what people are looking for. It's, it's what people want and desire. I want you to hear me today. We have a message that is beyond any message. We have a hope that's beyond any hope. We have, we have something to give that is more powerful and greater than anything that has ever been given. And that is a faith, a trust, a belief, a hope in God that has been made available to humanity through Jesus Christ. We have a hope to give that is greater than anything that has ever been given before. And let me tell you, there is nothing more powerful than that. Nothing more powerful than that. And that is the gift that the church has for the world we live in. That is the gift that we have. And David is explaining it in such detail. I love it. He's saying, God has us. He knows us. He loves us. He desires us. And he seeks us out. And that hope is the powerful hope for the world. It is the hope for the world. He says, he says, you have formed me in my inner parts. Notice that here's the plan of God that starts at conception. For those of you who see those pro-life verses, they're not just pro-life. They're God's way verses. They're how he made. He says, for you formed me in my inward parts. Notice God is the one who formed us. God is the one who began the process of conception. You, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I know many of you have heard that verse before. God, God was there at the very beginning. That's what he's saying. I, I, I was there at the very start. This is not a, this is not some happenstance. This is not a roll of the dice. This is, you're not a, you're not a part of some primordial soup that uh, you came out of. He says, I know you for you. I knit you in your mother's womb. He says, I knew you in your mother's inward parts. I made you. He says, 
I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your work and that my soul knows very well. He says, your works are marvelous and you have revealed them to me and I know them very well. You know them very well. If you know them very well, then there ought to be a powerful hope that's emanating from you. If you know them very well, there ought to be a powerful hope that's emanating from you. If you know them very well, then there ought to be a powerful hope that's emanating from you. I'm going to say it again. If you know it very well, then there ought to be a powerful hope shining from you because that hope is the light of men. It is the light that the world needs. It is, is the light that the world needs. He says, when I was made in the secret place and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, you, I, your I saw my substance being yet formed. He says, Ashley, we'll get on that for you, okay? He says, and in your book, they were uh, written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. He says, and in your book, they were written, the days fashioned for me, and yet there were none of them. Notice God had a plan, and notice he's mentioning the book of life here. He's, his plan in the book of life, his plan for your life was written before you were born. That's what that verse says. That's that understanding right there. It was written and and before you were formed. Let me look right here. We will figure out where you're at, Ashley. If you'll if you'll message me and uh, we'll get that address and we'll get some stuff to you. Okay. He says, "How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them." they would be more in number than the sand. Meaning God has considered us and considered us in thoughts that are greater than the sands of the seashore. He says, if I should count them, they would be more than the number of the sand. When I wake, I am still with you. He says, oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. He says, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. He says, do not, do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? He says, and do not loathe those who rise up against you. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Notice he's saying, he's saying those who don't want God, do, 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 do not love God, they, they're enemies to him. He says, search me, O God. And know my heart. What a, what a powerful thing to be, to behold and to see and to have said. He says, search me and know me. We want God to know us. We want him to know us in, intimately. And, and we want uh, him to know our hearts and to see us for who we are. Because until he's done that, we cannot be changed. But once he done, he's done that, change must take place. And once God searches our hearts out, change is on the way. And hope is on the way and life is on the way. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. And see, that's where real life change takes place. And we're going to talk a little bit about Sunday, about the yeast of the Pharisees and, and legalism. And legalism never changed a thing. The rules never changed a thing. The presence of the Holy Spirit, the intimate knowledge of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, guiding us, leading us, it's what brings about change. Now, 
all the truth of the Old Testament, all the truth of the law manifest in the life of the believer through the personal intimate relationship that we have with Christ. And that is the that is the train, the mechanism, that's the engine that brings about life and life eternal in us. And when a person tries to place rules on somebody, what they're doing is they're going back to the Old Testament way, a righteousness uh, that is built by following uh, rules and the law. And let me say this, that righteousness, even in the Old Testament, was understood not to be able to work. It, it does. Uh, righteousness has to come by faith. And faith is the context of a relationship with God where we trust him and we walk with him. And life change takes place by giving somebody the hope that's in Jesus Christ, faith, hope, trust, believe. Give them that hope. Give them that relationship. Teach them how to walk in that relationship. That's discipleship. And as they walk in that relationship, God teaches them his will and his ways. And the things that are a part of the law, the things that are the truth of the law, become the life-changing force in their life. And they don't live by the law. They live by faith. And by faith, they fulfill the law. They begin to act as God is because they know him intimately and they walk in his character and nature. And before that, they have the life that, that God has desired for them since the foundation of time. And this psalm is a great psalm showing that God's been doing this plan, working this plan in this way, and even revealed it today hundreds of centuries before Jesus even walked the earth, revealing that plan to, to us to, through David. It's a powerful revelation of the work and the plan of God, which is still going on today and still available to those around us. And we need to be, we got, we've got to, we've got to focus our hearts and minds on being purveyors of that good news, the givers of that gospel, the promoters of the plan and the purpose of God in the world we live in. We, we've got to be doing that today. And, and we've got to be doing that with our whole lives because it is the sum of our life is to walk with God, to know him and to be his people and him to be our God. And I would say to you this morning that, that God, has, God has great meaning and purpose for you because he's known you he made you he saved you he glorifies himself with you because he loves you and he even likes you as you go today i pray that the lord will bless you and keep you that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.